Yes, Shopamaniacs, you're listening to another hard stop edition of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave in the shed. Rupert with me is Chris in the booth choir. Hey, Chris, how are you? What's happening? I'm doing pretty good, man. Just feel like a somewhat productive week. Yeah, what's up? You'll see in my room, I now have a mini fridge, a gamer fridge. With the glass uh, front. Is that required now that it wasn't in vogue for a a while, but now it feels like everybody, all of them have that. So you can see what's. If you want to be a gamer, you got to have a glass front fridge. So this shows off your G Fuel. Uh, Hopefully, G Fuel's ready to sponsor the podcast, really angling for that. So. I've I think it'll come. Have it? Does the G stand for gamer? I don't think I've. Yeah, G's for gamer, but it's gamer fuel. It's like caffeinated uh, Gatorade, basically. So, what is like the number one hottest game? You know, because we talked about League of Legends the other day, which I think is very popular, but it's not. It's a little old, right? It's not like top, top, top. Is um, it just some shooty McGee thing like War Captain or something? Yeah, uh, War Zone. What I like to do is go to the Twitch. Uh, Go to the Twitch, see the top one. It's Counter-Strike Global Offense, which came out like 50 years ago. There must be a tournament going on. Uh, the next most popular game is Just Chatting, which I think is... Uh, Interesting, yeah. <laughs> uh, mostly what about the just, one where you're on the island or whatever and you all build, I don't know, Fort, Fortnite? Fortnite? Fortnite. Is that popular yeah, Fort- still? Well, not really. It sort of dipped uh, quite a bit, but it's still uh, it's in the uh, th- on the third row here, or I guess maybe second row if I stretch my browser out. Second what about row the one you games. like? Overwatch is that super popular? Overwatch is not doing great, to be honest, Chris. It's on like the fourth or fifth row, uh, and, and uh, we got a uh, you know, but there's like um, Call of Duty is always kind of popular. Valorant is another one. Um, and mm. Dota, League of Legends, those are top row. Dota. Uh, Apex yeah. Legends. And yeah. so Fortnite, Hearthstone, I think you'd know from your Magic the Gathering past. Um, sure. I was, I tried to get into watching that because I played it for a little while. And I feel like in order to enjoy watching a video game, you have to have like, I don't know. 40 hours logged at least like you need to know some of the like what makes it hard all the mechanics all that stuff because once in a while i'll just like youtube and and there'll be some game about like i don't know building an empire and letting them fight or something like oh this looks like something i would like and then i watch it and i get a little enjoyment out of it but i don't really get the game so Mm -hmm. i i end up like bailing because i'm like i don't i don't know what's happening whereas i can watch starcraft 2 all day because I, I know exactly what's happening. Like it's just so. It's like wallpaper to you. It's it's like a, a animated wallpaper because you're just like I know yeah. exactly what's going on. So, yeah, no, I, I think there's a really uh, t- I don't know. It's I think there's just a lot of games. I'll say that, and people find their niche. And so I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're not. Maybe we don't have Fortnites anymore. You know, like big blowout games. So. I mean, maybe everyone just kind of has oh, goes on new these. era. Davis predicted, yeah, I don't like know. podcasts. I don't know. You know, it's no big podcast. It's all niche. There's no big podcast. There's no ce- no more serials. We're done with serials. Uh, I you wonder know. what the biggest one is. Is it Joe Rogan or whatever? Does it even count Joe as a Rogan podcast probably, if it doesn't yeah. have an RSS feed? Food for thought because right. it doesn't. Think about it. I know This American Life is still popular. They did one of the, with this guy who who <laughs> had a historic NFT, and I found it a very uh, very compelling episode about their uh, This American Life's dive into that crazy world. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's such a it's a weird time for NFTs this week here, but uh, yeah, that's like uh, I would listen to it. I, I, I This American Life is always good. Um, uh, the serial ones are actually interesting, like because there's like spin-off ones, like the, uh, mm. what is it, like was it nice white parents or something like that? Um, uh, there's there's another one like about this like school board in Birmingham that I'm listening to. So and then anyway, there's a lot of good series and stuff. And and yeah, I, it'll never be ch- town though. That was crazy. Well, and yeah, there's just there's yeah. There's big podcasts, I think, but I don't, I don't think there's like everyone you know is listening to this one. You know, I don't know that that'll happen again. I don't know. So, oh, I'm sure it will, but yeah, but it may be fewer and farther between. I did a I did a Twitch stream, Chris, this week. This week I did. Oh a yeah, stream. you fired it up. 
Nice. I did a, some breakfast stream uh, for like an hour and a half. I don't know. I'm not good at it. And like the audio from my computer uh, didn't pipe through. So that sucks. There's a learning so. curve. There's a learning curve to your lawnmower. There's a learning curve to literally everything you do in the world. So you're now you're a little further in it. Now I'm a little further. And I said, if I do 10 episodes, 10 episodes, Chris, guess what? Yeah, you get Dave a milkshake. It's a stream shake. deck. I get a stream deck. Oh, a stream deck. No. <laughs> and a milkshake. <laughs> That's like 50 milkshakes. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I'll get a stream deck, uh, and that's going to make me good at streaming, I think. I think everyone knows that makes you good at streaming if you get a, can push the little buttons and switch your camera. So. I'd say it's for your children, though, because at some point they're going to ask about that world. And then if you don't know, how embarrassing is that? Now you're going to know. Right. Even if right. it's not for your own fame and fortune, you know? No, I don't think I'll be famous, but I'll, I think I'll I, – I think it's also about, like, carving out time for my junk because I have all these ideas in my head kind of yeah. background processes taking up memory taking up the brain ram we talked about brain ram recently it's taking up brain ram and I need to get it out and I think streaming is a really good opportunity to what purge my brain ram so nice we'll see we'll purge see. brain ram I really like that concept well here's one thing that you might have even worked on during your I don't, I don't know I think although I think you're using it professionally Felix secret last name writes in yo Dave secret have you taken Nux 3 out for a spin yet and how are you finding Ooh. view 3 just a quickie you know uh, just a quickie yeah so maybe we talked did we mention it last week I think we did but I did take view 3 out for a spin I the the new release candidate is super good um, about like and that thing is like a two weeks old or something like that but um, I tried it like a month ago and I had a bad time. I couldn't even get it up. Like, like I couldn't even start the application. And as somebody who uses Nuxt every day, that was a little bit like, yikes, <laughs> this could be a very bad situation. But the new Nuxt 3 is absolutely great. Um, it has this Nitro server. So it's like file-based backend server routes. And then you can push that to Netlify and Netlify will automatically turn that server into edge functions because nice. all they are is single file endpoints. Did it ship with adapters for all of them though? Like Cloudflare and yeah, Vercel, I think Vercel and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. So there's different strategies, I think is what they're called. Deployment strategies. Strategies. So, strategies. But anyway, but, or adapters, maybe they're called adapters, but anyway. I like that better. Anyway, there's different ways to deploy it, but but it's basically like a the idea is your server either your whole folder ends up in a in a little process or the whole or each file ends up in a process at some point, like either whether that's a cold start process or or not cold start process. So. Nice. I remember it was it was interesting talking to Fred, and it seems like people are latching onto this idea that like SSGs are cool, but it sounds like an evolution of them that might take hold is like, just make the cloud your SSG. Like it's not that different. Like the, like write your SSG thus that such that it can run in a cloud function. And then the pages are generated on demand. So it's like, there is no lengthy deploy process that has to build all the pages that just doesn't exist. You just ship the new version of your app, and then as a page is requested, it runs once, mm -hmm. caches it, you know? Gets some kind of thing in there. I was going to say, um, I, I read this post uh, somewhat similar. Uh, it was called the, uh, um, the Demise of the Mildly Dynamic Website. And this is on a, a very old looking website, <laughs> uh, but it was just talking about like how we did CGI bin and then we did PHP, right? Like CGI was like, you could post data and it could like go create a file. Like Perl would do that in the background. And then PHP showed up and it was like, you don't need to know this Perl stuff or whatever. You can just like add a bit of math in the page or, you know, loop through some stuff like, like PHP kind of lightly grafted in. Like you could either use all PHP or you could like just lightly graft in PHP into the page, right? And then, um, then, then it just kind of goes into like, and that was an interesting era because it was like, okay, now guess what? Like if you're in there, you can just like go query a database. And so like now your data lives somewhere else, you know, mm -hmm. it's not in static files somewhere. And then we, 
the the article is kind of like, and then we did like this big overcorrection of like going to like all this client side stuff, you know? And so now you have to like, to render the website, you have to build an API server and then yoink down a bunch of JSON and, you know, like you're, you're kind of slowing it, everything down. I, I kind of disagreed with enough of the, the article I kind of like peeled out or like was, I, I think there's yeah. a little bit of like remembering it wrong. It was kind of like, oh, then people got into JavaScript and then Discord was popular or Discuss, you know, and the Discuss was bad, you know. And I was like, well, people were using Discuss on WordPress. I mean, it's sort of like in their PHP app. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like, the, Discuss was great on your static site, but it was also being used on. Uh, database stuff it's more that was more about like the spam management and stuff like that so anyway i just there's a little bit of uh what is it what do you like the history where you remember history wrong kind of intentionally to support your argument or something like revisionist history revisionist history there malcolm gladwell's podcast yeah. um yeah it's like the revisionist history going on but but it's a good anyway i found myself identifying with i want a little bit of server, like going all client side was not super great for me. Um, mm-hmm. Even just like ethically, <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then just even just like, Oh man, I have to build, I have to go work on this file or this project, this part of the repo just to spit out a thing Then I have to go over here. You know, I know GraphQL solves that, but like it just was, you know, a pain. And so I like a little bit of server that seems very helpful. So. Heck yeah. I mean, it might swing back full server at some point, you know, how, how fast the fact that you can run server stuff at the edge seems like a big deal to me. And that the it's starting to be so fast to do that, not only because it's edge, but because the engines that do it are so fast. I'm still mm-hmm. on my go journey and just loving. I'm like, I was like up a little too late last night, just watching YouTubes about go. Just I'm oh, gonna watch yeah. this and this and this and this. I don't know. I'm just into it. And it's just so fast. It's so fast. It's really fast. Yeah. And 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 then to know that, like, you can write cloud functions in it, you know, mm-hmm. maybe not the same, not the same edge ones that, like, Netlify and Cloudflare support, but, like, just a Lambda for sure. I mean, Netlify supports Lambdas, too. I just mean that sometimes in here we talk about the really fancy edge worker ones that only run in JavaScript. Mm-hmm. But just one that you can just hit real quick as a Lambda Go is absolutely supported. And I don't know. It's just so good to have a server. <laughs> it's like, why not just use servers again? Yeah. Yeah. And and I like this idea of like, I'm just going to code this. And there's an interesting switch to Dino over on the Netlify side of things, right? They're kind of like right. betting on Dino. Um, you don't even have to learn it is the beauty. I mean, I guess you kind of do, but... Well, it's yeah, not there's that different. Like your require shouldn't work or whatever. Maybe it does, but but the idea is it's more like standards compatible. And I was just like, ooh, that's kind of cool too. Like I just like I'm just writing JavaScript and it's kind of working everywhere. Works on my local, works in the cloud, and so I like that if you ship a Dino function or is it Dino Deno? Deno, Dino, Deno. Sure, somebody knows. That, like, you don't have to, like, make sure you turn off file system access or whatever, Mm -hmm. because it's just secure by default. That's great, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it has, like, the web's off model, kind of. So, so anyways, Felix, secret last name. Thank you for writing it. I, like, I am liking Nux3. I'm still not, like, fluent in view three i was watching ben codzen's twitch streams and he just like fluently writes out all these like hooks and stuff and i'm just not there yet (laughs) um but i i'm excited to use it because i think you can actually like nerf down or smurf down we'll say your your like files quite a bit just by using the the new hook syntax so or the new composition api so there's a lot because you're View files right now are just this big like object, and so these these kind of make that a lot easier to deal with. So, this episode is brought to you by MongoDB World 2022. 
Be there in person as the software engineering community comes together in New York City for MongoDB World 2022. It'll be three days of announcement-packed keynotes, hands-on workshops, and deep-dive technical sessions. It's happening June 7th to June 9th, 2022, at the Jacob Javits Center in New York City. Tickets are available now. Just visit mongodb.com forward slash world hyphen shop talk. That's mongodb.com forward slash world hyphen shop talk. All one word. S-H-O-P-T-A-L-K. Use discount code WORLDPOD25 to get 25% off your ticket. Just a thought that we don't have to talk about, but I do think is just a just a leave it out hanging out there in the air that if you like follow Netlify and read their blog and their Twitter and stuff for years now, every major release, it seems like, has something to do with running code on a server. It has long running functions or super fast running functions or whatever, or new languages that they support on the back end, or this type of run it, then cache it thing. And, and now edge functions and stuff like to have a company that's so dedicated to like, we are a static file host, even though they've, they've always said, you know, we're obviously more than that. It's not like a mismarketing or anything, but to have this company that has that at their root, have all of their Engineering effort and releases behind server-powered things server is interesting, right? Server-ish, yeah. Not, yeah. not server-less; it's server-ish. Yeah, so. and not like PHP and stuff. So there's, you know, it's different. But anyway, I got here's an interesting one from Brody Austin. I work on sites that display third-party images where I have no control over the size, aspect ratio, orientation, etc. I want to display them nicely in a card layout, three cards across or whatever, and I like CSS stuff like aspect ratio, object fit, but I feel like I just throw these properties at my sites without really having a game plan for the best effect. I do have the ability to run images through resizing tools to at least like them manageable from a size perspective. But again, the images could be square, rectangle, tall, wide, so on. What's your advice? Uh, I'm happy that second part is that because I was like, if you have no control over the images, that seems like not great territory, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. if it's like mm-hmm. a two megabyte image, you know, object fit and aspect ratio are sure you can get it on the page in the right way. But I was like, the first thing you need to do is proxy those things mm-hmm. through something. And that proxy machine might be able to crop it too. So I'd look into that. I've oh, The part that bugs me about a- ob- aspect ratio and object fit is that there's, there's like inherently some cropping that's going to happen. Chances mm-hmm. are the image in there isn't exactly the size that it needs to be. And it like gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit <laughs> that there's like images, Im- like all this data that's just being chopped off and not used. I was mm-hmm. like, can you crop it on the server so that I'm not sending absolutely unused data across the wire? Wouldn't that be nice? And if you have a little machine already that's doing resizing and such, maybe it can crop too. And if it can do like smart cropping, like figure out a focal point and then crop it, that would be cool too. Like, cause, cause that's the trick with like aspect ratio on, uh, you know, aspect ratio on your like responsive changing the aspect ratio is like now you're like cropping off stuff. And if the focal points in the top left, chances of that, like, yeah, you went fitting it. in your object fit cover are zero, you know, so, um, or it just won't look right. So, you know, I think card layout, you know, like great artist steel, just copy Instagram, do <laughs> squares, right? So sure. square squares, never going to leave you wrong. Uh, squares can never let you down, but, uh, you can also do object fit contain and then your tall rectangles and your wide rectangles will fit in that square. So, uh, so you just set aspect ratio one, one object fit object fit or sorry, object fit contain that should work. Um, but if you want hierarchy, like this image needs to be big and this image needs to be small, you hmm. kind of have to work on it a bit. Cause like on a, a phone, tall images have hierarchy and on a desktop wide images have hierarchy, you know, are kind of like wide and tall. So 
Um, I find switching that, but also using a little bit of object fit um, is awesome. It's really hard to explain that to designers, even using terms like print terms, like bleed and stuff like that. It's just hard to wrap your math brain around the math that makes those whatever safe areas disappear. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. good luck though. It sounds like you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no plan. It's like, you have a plan. You got a proxy already. You got card layouts happening. You're using aspect ratio and object fit. (laughs) Seems to me you're ahead of the game. If anything. Yeah. I mean, if you're displaying images, you know, the classic thing is like a logo, right? Like we get logos and they don't, every logo is different. Some are tall, some are small, some are square, some are rectangles, some are circles, you know. Um, I usually like to just do, draw a square box and fit the image into it. Draw the box, though. That's my trick for logos. Not that I'm some design genius, but like if you impart some structure that looks structured and then put the weird logo inside the box, it feels less weird. Mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, because if you if you just try to lay them out without actually drawing the box, it looks messy. You know, your eye can't like follow what's happening because there's no super straight vertical or horizontal lines that happen because logos are so weird. That's like, mm-hmm. just draw the box. Draw the box, add a little padding. There you go. Yeah. So make it look like you meant to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <So. laughs> so. You know, you mentioned that we can do another question, but there was an interesting one that kind of came up naturally about like what's more valuable, assuming the cost is identical, very small amount of time from a super senior developer or a lot of time from a very newbie developer. So let's say that's going to cost you X bucks and they're the same X bucks. Yeah, no, that like that was a question like we been kind of wrestling with is like, do you, do you want somebody senior part-time or do you want somebody junior full-time? And then, and I mean, I don't want to get too specific or whatever, but it's just been an interesting conundrum. Cause it's like, like you can probably, I, I don't know. I, it's, you know, if you had to choose, would you rather it's a, it's a classic, like, would you rather have one senior part-time or one, junior full-time so that's it seems a, like it could it could you don't know so you're flipping a coin a little bit because the super senior person could really be checked out and not be applying their seniorness to it and that would screw it up or and the the junior could be like too junior that they were kind of useless or they could be like a super go-getter and they level up a ton and then the fact that they have so much hours in the day is just wow that was super awesome and worth it you have no idea how that's going to play out so you need to think of other factors. You need to, you know, think about uh, how much do you know about these people? Like how much more information can you feed this algorithm in order to make the choice? And you have to factor yourself into it too. Like, you know, you're like, if you're like, I have no time to level somebody up manually, then that factors into the equation. Or if you're like, you know what, actually, I could pair every day for an hour at least with a newbie. That factors into that equation heavily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and for me right now, it's like context switching too. It's like, does that add too much, like bouncing around from tasks and jobs and management and coding and uh, whatever other crud I'm doing? So yeah, it's, it's tough. I think there's, I've talked to, quite a few people just like milling this around and it's, it's uh, a, it's tough. It, like right. it really is like a, a pick your poison. So, um, cause sometimes though, I think sometimes you do need very tactical skill, right? Like code pen, you need a go developer, like, you know, um, who knows go most of our hires have been like that weirdly i hope it's not that way forever but usually it's been like yeah we hire senior and we hire specialists because we just need them senior specialists but you know if but if you're like could i hire somebody who's like i love programming <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like it, it or somebody who's like i i can do go but it's like one day a week like what do you do so that's uh that's it's tough i feel too like um, as I get into the kind of 
hiring realm here with Luro, it's 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 tough decisions, you know. I, I don't know. I, I read all these blog posts about hiring or whatever, but they're all like companies with like a five thousand people, you know. <laughs> there's not like there's not really a lot of blog posts for like, hi, you have a three person company. Here's how you here here would be my recommendation. So there's not a lot of advice there. But we're figuring it out. So we'll, you know, we've talked to a lot of nice people already. So it's just, but we're just figuring it out. We're just trying to figure out what would be valuable to an early stage company. Cause, and that's the other factor too is early stage company, you have a limited number of dollars, you know, so you have to spend those dollars very wisely, you know? So, yeah, you do. So, how do you do runway, baby? Yeah, runway. So, how do you effectively spend your dollar? So every that's what I maybe I don't like is and that's just me. Like <laughs> uh is like every question, every conversation ends up in a budget question, you know? So you, you, there's right. Whereas like I doubt I doubt like Salesforce is like, man, should we hire a junior developer? Cause like we we only made 1.9 trillion last year. So like what should we do? Should we just like I don't know, man. What do you think? You know, like, yeah, they don't have to think about budget. I would, th- but, th- but I'm, you know, actually they probably do because they're actually hiring from, for some sub, sub, sub department that actually has a really strict budget. And Right. So, yeah, but I just, you know, it's just kind of that thing. It's like, but then, and then there's like Amazon, right? Like, oh, they got like 17 levels of engineers. Oh, are you an E 4.5? You know, it's like, my wife's <laughs> tennis ranks, you know, it's like, what is, like, what is going on? What level are you? I don't know. I've been doing it a that while. That factors into your risk stuff too then because a easier budget decision is let's go light on the budget. It's a much harder call to be like, let's burn it, baby. And that's a, yeah. it's almost an emotional, personal thing than it is practical. Oh, yeah. No, that it, it's all mixed up. And so, yeah, no, I mean. I can't say I have good answers. So, Here's an exclusive and free invitation from Microsoft. On May 19th, 2022, Microsoft is celebrating its one-year anniversary of Azure Static Web Apps. Azure Static Web Apps is a turnkey service for modern full-stack web apps with pre-built and pre-rendered static front-ends and serverless API backends. Join live on Microsoft's Learn TV for their two-hour celebration of Azure Static Web Apps with an excellent lineup of guests and speakers, aka.ms slash SWA anniversary, or click the links in the show notes below. Here's a classic. How about that, huh? Eric B. wants This is kind of a... Uh, almost a language question about UI kit versus design system. So he's planning a redesign, okay? And Mm -hmm. the goal of it is design consistency today and years from now, you know? Mm -hmm. So rock the UI kit. But he's kind of saying, what makes up a, quote, design system beyond the, quote, UI kit? Is there more to a design system than just, like, typography and common elements and such? Or what? Like, I'm missing the full picture. And I think this is a common... I even talked to... You remember Micah Godbolt? He's at Microsoft Mm -hmm. now. He wrote this book, Front-End Architecture book. And then Front-End Architecture, in his mind, it turned out that what he was talking about was design systems. It's just okay. like the word design systems one, but then it, it still it still feels confused to me, and I do not blame Eric B here at all for being confused by it. I even live in this world where like I have one product and it's a website, so like our quote unquote design system really is just some components. But I feel like yeah. hasn't it come to mean that design system really means like there's rules and thinking that you read behind a design system and maybe it encompasses language and stuff too and certainly tokens that aren't just for your website but can manifest everywhere design system feels more like wider whereas if all you're doing is building a website and need some components i would maybe you could maybe call it your design system but that's pretty narrow and calling it your design UI kit is like a little more what you're actually doing. Brad Frost had a 
pretty good post on this recently. I'm trying to find it. Um, and I'm learning my, I might need to fix my Brad Frost RSS feed, but, um, cause I didn't know he was blogging this much, but he, he was talking about, um, his big thing is this design system idea has become a big umbrella term for like voice and tone for like, you know, do's and don'ts, uh, sort of in the UI, um, what are some other things? Like, I don't know, it's just become a gigantic umbrella term. Like anything, I think even inside a business, people see like the success of a design system and they just try to latch their thing onto it. You know, they're like, uh, yeah, visual integration testing, that's design system, you know? Like, yeah. it's like, well. It's, it's design, of, yeah, but I totally. thought about it a little extra hard. So it's a design system. Yeah, so, so you end up, <laughs> Like it's a, a very much a, a a target for pile on stuff, you know. Like which I, I think I agree. I I do think all those things are sort of the same sort of boat. Um, but Brad Frost kind of like was drawing a line to where he was like, to the extent that it impacts the UI, design systems are for user interfaces. Um, I think is the post here. Um, and he, he just basically kind of gets into like, to the extent, like design systems care about content as it pertains to user interfaces. Design systems compare care about accessibility as it com- as it pertains to a user interface. Design systems care about personalization as it pertains to interfaces and user interfaces. Mm, I so see. I thought that was a. I don't know if I totally agree with Brad. I like Brad, but I don't know if I totally agree, but I I understand the need to draw a line somewhere. You, if you have to draw a line, this is a pretty good line. Um, so you could say UI kit, but like it's a UI kit that has to kind of care about some other stuff. Um, so that's maybe what I would call it. Um, well, so, part of it, this is interesting. This is what I was kind of trying to say, but couldn't spit it out exactly. And he quotes Nathan Curtis here saying, "A design design systems are systems of systems, which I like. And then he's got this huge, this, I guess it's a Venn diagram, whereas design system is a huge gray circle. And it encompasses processes, the style guide, the voice and tone guide, the content strategy, the brand, the documentation, the components, the visual design language. There's like a ton of stuff, each of which is a system. And the design system is all of those systems together. Wow, that's a lot. But yes, I guess. Yeah. But you're saying maybe no. <laughs> well, I just I I think just the idea that like you have like <clears throat> a design system is going to it doesn't have to encompass. I think it just has to be informed by all these things. Is kind of what I'm getting at. Sorry, my tummy's mm. rumbling. I must be hungry. My tummy's hungry. Um, Tore but, cheese. So I I think about what um. What did uh, oh, Robin Rendell called it like the hyper object um, and, and just that it's like a big design systems can be this big thing, you know, um, uh, and it, yeah, it, there's, there, I think maybe too, we don't have our, our like uh, wording all figured out yet. You know, I think that's after uh, all this time, it, we so. still don't. So. Um, UI kit even means component library sometimes, and you know, like that. Which I think so, is like, what a lot of what Brad builds, right? That's a lot of what Brad's work is is building these com- distributable component systems. So, um, I, I found too in my work, like you know, you get into it, and guess what? Like all these pages are bad, not because the UI is different, but because the content's garbage. So, like. If we hire a content strategist, we can actually fix the content and have a cohesive look, a cohesive word and feel, you know, across the entire site. So think about that, right? Like, is that or or images, right? Like, I mean, not just to even in compression, like making your site look like garbage, like over compression, but like a client site, you know, like how you display your pizzas might really impact. You know, or it's like we learned showing a pizza this way is actually way better than showing a pizza this way. Yeah, which has nothing that's, to do with your React components. It's just like, that's like a to, that's like photography advice. 
but it's part of but it, you, you know. But you have to put that information somewhere. So where does it go? Confluence, page 9,000 of your Confluence <laughs> printout, yeah. you know? Yeah, and make so. sure people know it and stuff, and the right people know it. it. It's funny how things change over time. Remember, it was, was it Samantha Toy? I think it was Warren yeah. at the time is in my Warren, brain, but she totally. changed that she had these like design tiles or whatever. I, I, that was like yeah. a big, a big thing for like, I worked at, you know, an agent, uh, an agency more like Paraval in, in the past and have worked with lots of other agencies where the, what was used to be more common, like that's not specifically build a website was like, you'd work on a design system, even though it probably wasn't called that then, but it was like, we're going to work on your brand and we're going to work on the logo, but also we're going to bring some of that design tiles into it. So we're talking colors and vibes and feels and that photography strategy and how we use language and all that in our deliverals. The way that we're going to prove it to you and what you're going to pay us money for is that we're going to give you this presentation that shows you your new logo, but it's going to show you a variation of that logo that works on a hat. And we're going to show you how you might use this design system to put on the side of a truck, your delivery Mm -hmm. trucks. And we're going to show it like on a coffee mug and we're going to show it on your letterhead and we're going to, you know, and so a website was a small part of it, but it was this system that was like, that could work everywhere that have feels to it. And I'm surely that stuff still exists. It's just that, you know, you and I are so buried in website bubble town that design yeah. systems are less meaningful. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think that like the whole brand package was like part of the deal. And I think design systems is kind of part of the deal. It's like, here's your brand in components across the thing, you know, across the whole site, you know, here's your tokens that establish that look and feel. And that can go to different operating systems, you know, web, iOS or whatever. So yeah, I think there's, um, I think it's a muddy ground, but, but I've also like, I think too, it's up for your organization to decide how far it's going to go, you know, um, like, you know, I, I think, you know, Eric is saying like, is it typography and, uh, common elements in a color palette and white space? Is that it? And like, I think, I think it can be that. And I think maybe start there, maybe start simple, but I think it can also be, you know, just any, I mean, I think a lot of things can impact your design system, you know, whatever you need to systematize of your design. If you you could think of it that way, like, hi, we, (laughs) we are John Q industrialist and we are going to make design efficient. So how are we going to do that? You know, What's what's our top ten priorities for making design efficient? You know, um, you know, and you may have designers who don't want to be efficient, so they hmm. just want to open up Figma and Jam. And so, what do you do? I love that. What do you do? There's a um, shout out here from Rob DeCourt, mm-hmm. just been long time listener of the podcast. Thank you. Shout out to a let's call it a starter kit or a UI kit for Statamic, Statamic. That's one mm-hmm. of those CMSs that I've never used, but, uh, and we don't talk about a lot on this show, but certainly has its super fans. It sounds like Rob here perhaps created this. It's called peak peak.studio1902.nl. Uh, just, just uh, happy to shout that out for you. And we'll put it in the show notes for you. It looks pretty nice. I think that's cool, you know, when, it, when a CMS is popular enough that people build stuff on top of it and share that around and all that. Pretty, pretty sweet. Have you ever used Statamic? Statamic? No, but I'm looking at it now in these screenshots over on Peak. And um looks pretty cool. Looks really user friendly is what I want to say about it. Um, but no, I haven't used it. I think um, I think I hello worlded it a long time ago. Maybe 
I feel like mm-hmm. there was some Dropbox integration kind of thing that happened, uh, which maybe still exists. But um, yeah, because it was it, flat file based, which was like pretty hip. I mean, it's obviously it's still hip considering how powerful static site generators are. And we just got done with a thing like, but maybe servers too. Whereas I feel like that was part of the vibe here is that you like you built the content in flat files, but then you like still had PHP. So if you needed to like sort them, you could just sort them. And if you want to mm-hmm. edit them in a CMS, you can just do that. It just so happens to write the content back to a file, which is kind of cool. So it, it did some things. It's still doing things that are a little unusual, but I think as history is playing out here, like they're actually kind of right about some of this stuff. You know, think about how Netlify CMS writes your files back to disk and stuff like yeah. that. It's getting written somewhere, right? So I it looks... I don't know. It looks awesome. Statamic has a great website too. So probably what killed them was that. Well, then you're doing all this static work, but then you still need to host it somewhere that has PHP. So you'd never got the the benefit of like just being able to toss it on GitHub Pages or whatever, which was probably the clutch thing that made some of the other ones successful. Not that I mean, this seems highly successful. Success is a very relative term, but I wouldn't say it's one of the top five CMSs. You know? Right. Right. So, yeah, so you like still needed PHP, but then it like kind of spit out static files. And, or I think that was a part of it. But, you know, it's been a while since I've even considered it. So I, I, I don't know. It looks cool, though. That's what I want to say is like the UI actually looks way fresh and uh, compared to some other systems I've used recently. So <laughs> no names. Not going to name them. So. Yeah. Well, we're both in the middle of uh, of working on our personal websites a little bit. You might might stream some of it, I imagine. But yeah, it's yeah. looking good around there. Nice and snappy. Kind of, you did a, like a tear down before a build up. Wasn't that the spirit? Yeah, I started going through, and I was going to move some pages around, and my typography was just dying. You know, like like I was fighting it. You know, where I was like, okay, I got to do an important over here. I got or just I had to like. Like, okay, or an override or a more specific class or something. That's the same as important to me. I don't care what, <laughs> fight me. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I just was fighting enough. I was like, I need to bail out entirely. So I deleted everything and I have a few, um, I have a few like uh, custom styles, like on sub pages, like for my bookshelf and stuff like that. But I, I've tried to kind of keep it all real tidy so um and so i I really haven't done like the big flexes but a couple of my goals were surface tags right and then um i stole the uh um little bar chart thing from josh collinsworth you know his little css grid bar charts so i i Mm -hmm. just so i could show my like post my spark line you know of posts which is only useful to me no one else cares about that but um I've got some ideas for the homepage, like spicing it up. So I got that locally. So I'm going to oh, maybe you do. work on that on my stream. Yeah. I'm kind of, I, I think, um, I think I'm going to play with Houdini paintlets and I Whoa. think, I'm, yeah. And then I think I'm going to, um, at least for the homepage, but then I was also like, what's cool about Houdini is you can like script it. Right. So like, I can like, I could, change the homepage every day over time, like too, you know, like it could also, it could be like seasonal or it could be like, you know, there's kind of like cool stuff you can do with a few variables, you know? So anyway, that's kind of the, the current plan right now is just to kind of mess with this stuff and get it to a cool place. And heck yeah, so far so good. I think, I mean, it's, you've left it in a pretty usable spot. You know, some people do this like design in the open and then they, <laughs> It's not in a particularly usable spot. You know? it, yeah, it looks kind of rough. But yeah, I need like link colors. I had a dark mode. I was using, this is interesting. <laughs> this is good show, shop talk father. I was using, um, is it color theme light dark? What is the 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 way to do it to where you get like an automatic dark mode? Um, yeah, prefers color scheme dark. Yeah, color scheme. Like so in your root, your HTML you can just do like color scheme, light, dark, and you're basically just saying like, you got this it, has a operating light. system. Yeah, yeah, take it over, buddy. You got it. 
But that means you have to be careful. Like you can't set any background colors and colors and stuff. Yeah, and it just... wasn't doing any of that, so it was fine. Like it was doing fine, and it looked great in Chrome and Firefox. And I didn't. And then the dark mode, I noticed on my phone. I was like, I can't really see the links, you know, like in yeah, dark mode on my right. phone. So I don't find that out until nighttime when I look at my website on my phone at night, you know. So. And it was just like basically unreadable. And that's because Safari's default colors in dark mode are too dark or AKA inaccessible. And Chrome goes for a bit more lighter, uh, like purple visited link or something like that. And so it's really interesting, like how that thing, like, it was broken, you know, and it was just like, oh man, that that would be too convenient if it just was kind of okay <laughs> by default, you know, in dark right. mode. But mm-hmm. but they don't change the like link colors in Safari, so you get that really, you know, blue blue oh oh, <laughs> like what what is it oh 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 f, you know, basically like just the blue blue, and that like looks terrible on oh oh oh. So yeah. So anyway, I have uh, backed out of that strategy and I'm going to do a proper dark mode, but so that might be something I do on my stream. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, I just can't. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, you can do whatever you want on your site, but I can't can't bring myself to to quite care about dark mode. I just Ooh, can't do it. Spice. It's a spicy in here. I like that too. Like you do it then, browser. You know, which I don't really love because it's kind of taking away some design control. But on my personal side, I think I'm kind of fine with it. Well, and I was like, kind of like if this color scheme light dark worked, I could roll with it. Or if I could just like program a few like, you know, deep browser defaults, like just makes the links orange, always orange or whatever. Like that would be kind of cool. Like, um, but yeah, so I basically had to like back out of that whole strategy. So too bad. So hey, it's a too bad. Yeah, I've been like doing the same thing, tearing down bits by day. I really like up your, bits by day. The new it just doesn't have much spirit, you know. I've just been pulling crap down. I finally got the type just how I wanted. I think, but it doesn't have much. You know, it occurs to me that like I operate code pen right and there's just unlimited fascinating creativity on there and it all of it inspires me every day and yet i'm like almost like afraid to like pull stuff you know i'm like "Mm, should i put some crazy webgl background thing or should i you know do some insane you know variable fonts thing and and then Mm -hmm. when i find myself sit down to like do the work and build this just just my personal blog site i like don't um, something like scares me about doing anything too whack you know anything too ambitious or something and I don't. I, I, I'm trying to get past it because I want. I want there to be something, you know. And then what? What was it? Just a couple of days ago, there was some blog post. I will. We'll put a link in the show notes. But you know, it started out with this like computer screen, and you press the button, and then and then it, a 3D scene of an office comes into play, and then it zooms down on the screen. It's just this incredible personal website. And then I feel jealous, like I'm like, oh man, I've been a web designer developer for a long time, and I don't have a cool website like that. I just have some type, some, some typography on a white page. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this website. Oh gosh, I want to find the thing. I mean, it was incredible. You could play Doom on inside the website. It used it was using JS DOS, which is like a WebAssembly thing to run DOS in your JavaScript, and it was. It's amazing. It, it was off the charts cool. So I and and I like was like so impressed. But but it was so cool and it was then it like did but that website was like on Netlify. And then like then the his website was this WebGL scene that imported the website, the Netlify, into the the computer like so it looks like an old computer. It was really too damn cool. So I'm Full jealous. So I'm going to try to find it in my browser history. So. But no regrets on my side just yet. I feel like I'm enjoying the 
the the process of pretty much shipping code every day to my personal website. Just bringing it up, making little tweakies, sending it up. It's pretty fun. Some good blogging. You know what I want to do is bring you know because it's still WordPress and I have no no regrets there. That an old WordPress feature was to have like post types, not like custom post types where you define your own, but some built-in mm-hmm. ones that were like, this is an image, or this is a quote, this is a link. And you could just yeah. choose what what types they were, and they're kind of built in. I think I mm-hmm. might just like lean into those and just be like, yeah, th- those are the, the types that I want to use. And then do special design around the types. So if I want to do a one-sentence blaster, it like makes sense in the design of the site. Or if I want to do a long form thing, it makes more sense. Or if I just want to post a photo, I have this like design opportunity to make that make sense in the stream of the site. But otherwise, stick with the one column, just like whoosh, you know, it is a stream. It almost compels me to try to make a WordPress theme called like life stream or something that embraces that fully. You know, I yeah, I, I did that to some degree and I kind of like backed out, but um, cause I had like too many, like not different enoughs, but, um, I, I, you know, you can totally do it. So I was going to say the site was Henry Heffernan.com and that's Henry's website. And then, yeah, there's like a, anyway, it's, it's too dang cool. So, um, yeah, props to anybody that, that does something amazing with their personal website. You know, I do a lot of time, and even on this show and personally talking about the like the the amazingness of personal sites and RSS and stuff. And I want to like couch it by saying like it's not the answer to everything in the world. It's not like the solution to social media problems or anything like that. But I do mm-hmm. just I do love it. I do really like it when people blog. I really, really like it. I think it's cool. It's a cheat code for our profession, being that, like, the only reason I've literally had any success was writing. And, like, you can have that, too. It's just a good message to spread, I think. Like, blogging is, like, great. It's great for me because I get to, like, benefit from it. But for you, it's really good. Oh, it's great for everybody. I mean, it just, it's a thought that's been documented. Um, you know, the, the only problem is just, you know, like I don't, I read something and I don't remember where I read it. Like that's my biggest blog problem, you know, is just like, I read something about, you know, I can't even, I'm trying to, it was something about like hiring or something, but it was just like, I read this thing and it was like, that really stuck with me. So I, you know, I've got to think about that. So, um, and, but I don't remember what blog it was on. So, you know, if somebody can like figure out how I remember what was on something, like, let me, let's do it. So but, let's do hey, it. Blogs. Let's leave it at that, Davey. All right. Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this and your podcatcher choice. Be sure to start heart favorite up, blog about it. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for 16 tweets a month. Uh, watch our YouTubes. Those should be coming out. I said last week they're coming out. They didn't come out last week. They're coming out this week. So uh, that's a uh, shop talk show. Uh, sorry, youtube.com slash shop talk show. And join us over in the discord, patreon.com slash shop talk show. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? No, but it's always a pleasure speaking with you, Mr. Dave. Can't wait till the next one. Shoptalkshow.com. Yay.